Hey everybody, what's good? What's going on? I want to welcome you all to another episode of In La Mesa. I'm your host, Carlos, and today uh, I have a special guest with me. Uh, we're going to be uh, speaking about her life and her experiences, and you know, she'll speak and give us her background and tell us about things that she's doing, and as well as maybe offer some of her advice uh, 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 in this uh, podcast. So today we have with us Kay. Hi. Uh, I want to welcome you. It's been a long time, but welcome, welcome, welcome. I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to be part of this uh, podcast Definitely. episode, and I thank you so much. Uh, so before we start, you know, it's been a while, right? I know we haven't spoken in a long time, but I'm glad you reached out, like I said, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this episode and having you, you know, kind of connect and talk about yourself. So uh, let's start. Uh, let's start with an introduction, right? Let's tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background, where you're from and where you grew up, you know, your and where you live now, the areas of uh, your life, where you're at, and, you know, we'll take it from there. Okay. So born in Brooklyn, um, lived there most, you know, most of my life and then moved to Long Island briefly and then back to Brooklyn. And then at around 18 years old, I decided that I would move to Long Island on my own. So I did that. And now I live in um, Long Island, Massapequa. Um, you know, a lot different than Brooklyn and um, very different, right. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice neighborhood. So Correctly. that's where I'm at now. No subways. I mean, we have the LIRR, but there's no... Walking to the bodega, right? No. Nope. <laughs> walking to where you need to walk, you gotta take a car. Mm -hmm. Or if you do live close to the street, it's too noisy or you know too close to the, to the stores. But yeah. yeah, Long Island is a you gotta have a car to tra be in transportation. But mm -hmm. when I yeah. first moved here, I did not have a car, so I walked everywhere, and oh, I geez. took the bus, and um. Yeah, I just took the bus, walked everywhere. I was probably in the best shape of my life because I walked <laughs> everywhere. Wow. Okay, cool, cool. So what you've been up to, like, you know, obviously you, based on our conversations, I know you're teaching and uh, you want to get into a little bit of that, of how you became a teacher and mm -hmm. uh, maybe that journey to becoming a teacher and how that, your ups and downs, the goods and bads that you had and kind of how you decided to become a, a teacher. Yeah, so um, I knew that I wanted to do some kind of public service when I was really young because I grew up in poverty and um, I wanted to make a difference in the communities that I lived in. So I think it was about third grade. Um, I had a science project due and my mother dropped the ball didn't get me the materials. We couldn't afford it. Um, I was embarrassed. So I brought in like a makeshift, whatever I had around the house for the science fair. And my third grade teacher, I'll never forget her, Mrs. Scala, she saw and kind of knew that there was issues at home and kept me during recess. And we rebuilt my entire science fair project okay. so I wouldn't be embarrassed. And I'd never forget that. And from that day, I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. So um, I didn't really 
finish high school. Um, I dropped out in about 10th grade. I was kind of forced to drop out. Um, went to a bad high school, violence, gun violence. Um, so it wasn't really a safe place for me. So I got my GED and I started working right away. I didn't know how to apply to college. I didn't know, you know, I was the first generation person to go to college in my family and I didn't know what, how to. So I just worked, worked, worked. I kept switching jobs to make more money. I worked three jobs at a time. I traveled. I went from one job to another job working overnight, um, doing some just whatever job I could find, I did. And then I landed um, a teacher assistant position at um, a career in tech ed high school. And I fell in love with it, but the pay wasn't too good. So I always worked a second or a third job, but I had great benefits and I was paying into my retirement early at okay. the age of like 20. Oh, wow. So I knew that it, in the long term, it would be worth it. But at that moment, the pay was horrible. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I got to figure out how to go to college. So I tried to apply for financial aid and believe it or not, even though I was dirt poor, they didn't approve me for financial aid because they said I made too much money, even though I made nothing. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get any financial aid. I think it was like $350 for books. Wow. Um, so I applied to the University of Phoenix online because they were the only ones that were helpful. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know anything else. I was just checking out colleges and whoever helped me <clears throat> at the office is yeah. how I chose. So I did uh, my associates full-time online while working two jobs. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And um, I did elementary education. So I was like, all right, that's good, but I don't know if I want to do that. So right after that, I looked into other colleges. I had some mentors at work and I found SUNY Old Westbury, um, which was more of an affordable, good school that focused on an education program. And I worked and went to school at night. It took me a long time, um, very long time. I was probably like the oldest in my class, but I did my bachelor's and my master's back to back and then got certified. So I pretty much, I always say people who work, go to college. And if you have kids at the same time, I, I don't know how people do it with kids at the same time. It's so hard. Sometimes it's willpower. It, it's, it's like, it's, I don't even know. I don't remember sleeping. Um, and somehow I was on the Dean's list for most oh, wow. of my college. I have no idea how. Right. Yeah. That's so awesome. that's how I finally, you know, got my education. Yeah. It took a while to find like a permanent position, especially on Long Island. Yeah. I think I think uh, I can relate, especially when we talk about uh sometimes when we grow up, you know, uh my dad was the only provider uh in my family. So when you talk about not having the means to kind of get things and uh, I also went to one of the worst high schools in Brooklyn, right? Out in Williamsburg. So mm. having to, you know, but, you know, what I am grateful for, uh, even through that, is, you know, I had great teachers, people, like you said, that kind of were kind of like your guardian angel at school to kind of help you, mm -hmm. you know, get you to where you were, even though it was tough. But, but it's great. Uh, 
great to hear that, you know, you actually were able to pull it off and, you know, get your degrees. And like you said, probably being the hardest part of, you know, getting your degree. Because I remember doing the online schooling too. Uh, while I had the two boys at the time and it was, I worked and then you're sitting in your dining table like two in the morning trying to do a math problem and trying to get mm -hmm. through it. So it's kind of uh, very relatable. So inspiring to hear that you actually, uh, you know, were able to pull it off and make it happen, which Thank is you. awesome, which yeah. is awesome. Do you have uh, any like parts in your timeline and your life where something clicked, right? That someone was outside of, you know, figuring out you needed to get to school. But was there someone that actually was pivotal in terms of helping you kind of move yourself? Or was there was a self-motivation thing? Like, I I need to, I want to better my life. Because, you know, saying that you worked at a very young age and was already investing into your retirement, not many people at our age at the time when we were in our 20s know, you know, because we're the blowing it on, you know. Mm -hmm. What what's the latest bag or what's the latest pair of sneakers you need to buy or you know I'm gonna go out drinking with my friends and blow mm -hmm. my whole paycheck off because that's what it, what's in right now. So yeah, um, I didn't have any role models. I looked at my parents as what not to do and what not to be. Okay, and that's what pushed me. Okay, and. I was the oldest of my siblings and I wanted to set a good example. And thankfully the two of them both got their degrees, their master's degrees, and they're both doing professional jobs and doing great. And I wanted to try to lead them because we had no role models. We had nobody. Right. Right. We had right. nothing, you know, so, um, you know, nobody even checking our homework, you know, that was right. me. I had to check their homework in school and make sure they went and, you know, all, all the other stuff that goes with going to school and traveling to school, like Long Island kids don't know how good they have it with a school bus, <laughs> you know, getting to school is so hard when you're in the city. And, mm -hmm. um, and my sisters also lived in, um, Elizabeth, New Jersey, which was a really tough, uh, area. Right. Yeah. And they had to make it through high school. So, you know, I just I just kept pushing because I wanted them to see what to do and how to do it. Oh, well, that's yeah. I mean, sometimes we, we are our own our own like sponsor, right? Or our own mm -hmm. motivational speaker. You know, we look at ourselves in the mirror and you're like, you know, it becomes very unfortunate that we have to kind of have, you know, that to motivate us when, you know, sometimes we do have a community that's not really present at the time, but, but do you still keep in contact? Have you ever, oh, is your teacher still alive? The one that actually uh, reads that I project with you? I don't know. And it's funny because I thought about, um, I've tried to find her on Facebook right? and I never was successful. But what's funny is that during the time she started dating our school custodian. Oh, wow. And they fell in love. <laughs> And I knew that they were getting married. Right, right. And all the kids were like so excited. And so I, I don't know what, his, I can't remember what his last name is, but I'll, his first name was Joe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I remember this, but it was just like, they were so cute. And so I, you know, I'm assuming she may, might have taken his last name. So it's harder to find her, you know? Okay. All right. Oh, wow. That's, uh, 
Yeah, sometimes Facebook is usually like I'm. I actually just started following uh, my fourth grade teacher. Wow! So she's there, and she's been. She was one of my the teachers that I kind of. I don't think like me, but I think as I, I'm older now, she probably <laughs> seen where I'm at. And right did now she remember career. you? Oh yeah, yeah. She actually wow. posted photos of us in our group class photos uh, for fourth grade. So definitely wasn't one of her favorites, but. Uh, I think she, I think I was. I mean, I think she really. Usually, so, the kids who are not the quote unquote favorites are. Well, I was the kid that never <laughs> sat still. You know, I was that hyperactive kid that always got in trouble for not getting th- for not doing things the right way. Those I wasn't, are my favorite kids. I wasn't the bad kid, but I wasn't also the innocent kid. But mm-hmm. somehow, she you know, I let her home. Always got home to my parents for from her. So it was. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, plus, and you know. Especially when you have, you know, that at school, right? Because it makes you want to go to school. Uh, exactly. When you have some positive, uh, mm-hmm. you know, reinforcements or at least some positive uh, uh, role models that you can actually uh, relate to, you know, like you said, give you that uh, the opportunity to want to become a teacher. So my, I, I want to ask you, uh, what was the hardest part uh, when you were going to school? Like, if you had to sit now and think about, man, I don't know how I made it to this. What was the hardest time period? Uh, for you during that studies bad relationships <laughs> um with friends okay. and um with boyfriends um trying to stay motivated and having a relationship was hard um i dated somebody who was a severe alcoholic um really bad um times with him and it broke very hard taking care of him at the same time as going to school and i put my all into making sure he was okay i mean hiding his keys at night if he found his keys i would have to go chase him in the middle of the night and then still get up for work the next day um making sure that he stayed sober um educating myself on what to do, going to Al-Anon to make sure I knew how to support him appropriately, working with his family, taking him to rehab, picking him up from rehab. Um, You name it, I did it. And it was the most hardest time. And I I have like a mental breakdown. Yeah, I mean, I can, uh, I can see how that could be kind of difficult, especially when you're, you're trying to focus on you right and you feel like you have to keep an eye pretty much like a babysit right you know yeah because it's you know it's a very uh traumatic traumatic uh lifestyle to live in with someone who's you know oh, yeah. the, you know dependent on either a vice or some sort of uh substance mm-hmm. uh, to be dependent on it but i'm uh, sorry you went through that but uh again just glad that you were able to pull it off and you know get to where you're at and uh, and now as a teacher and as where you are right now, what are, what are the, what are the things that are, are like major wins for you? Like things that like motivate you and make you get up from bed every day to say, I love what I'm doing right now. You know, what is it that kind of, <clears throat> I know your teacher is, uh, was your focal point to wanting you to become a teacher and to help others and to make mm-hmm. sure that, you know kids who are less fortunate or those who may not have someone to kind of push them and motivate them. Uh, what is it that, you know, 
kind of keeps you going like every day, uh, especially being an educator uh, for kids nowadays, because it's, it's a tough time that we're in, especially when you're, when you're educating um, kids mm-hmm. uh, of this I'm, era. Yeah, I'm. I'm teaching U.S. history, which is oh wow, that's everybody's which is favorite. really Not... hard at <laughs> yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I wasn't interested in social studies when I was in school. Right. Um, I thought it was boring, so I try to make it as fun and relevant, and have open discussions with the kids, and try to relate it to like current events. Um, and the best part of my day is when kids start asking questions to find out more about our country's history and it that's what motivates me is like when they want to know more when they get the information when they have like an aha moment and they're like so you know that really happened and oh my god and um I can't believe like our country used to be like this and when when they're having open discussions it's the best part of my day it's like that's what keeps me going. Um, also, like when I see success stories from kids who were failing and then, you know, them finding a way to overcome that or me figuring out a way to get them motivated, that pushes me. The admin or like the actual, you know, day-to-day function of the school is not for me. Um which is why like I'm struggling right now with staying as a typical teacher or getting into something where I'm helping the community or kids in a different way. Um, because it's been 17 years that I've been doing this and I'm like, I need a change because it's not the way it used to be anymore. Um, teachers are getting, I mean, I'm in so many teacher groups on Facebook that have hundreds of thousands of, of people. And they're all in the same boat. They're just getting mistreated by the organization, the the board, the admin, the you know, it, it it's not it's not good. And all we're trying to do is just help our kids. Mm-hmm. And it seems that like we can't to the fullest extent because we're getting micromanaged and we're getting, you know, told to do a million and one things when we really just want to focus on the kids. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of get it. I mean, I see, I seen it, you know, with my own three, um, especially when they started pushing Common Core, and you know, mm-hmm. it's like takes away from, makes me almost feel like everything that I learned was a lie, right? Mm-hmm. When you learning this new math, and then you're, you're kind of getting the equation and the answer right, and then the teacher's like, no, it's still wrong. I'm like, what do you mean yeah. it's wrong? It's the right answer. At the end of the day, the exactly. answer is still the same, but because I'm not formulating it or processing it the way you're supposed to, uh, or the the way that you know they're telling you to do it, right? That you have to teach your kids. I think it's yeah, you know, some somewhat yeah. a disservice sometimes to the even the parents because then it it causes that tension at home. Exactly. Now, I'm not. And you the know, parents you, can't help the way that they want to help. Right. And it, you know, kids are fortunate enough to have a parent that wants to help them with their mm-hmm. homework. I didn't have that. Right. So if a parent's trying to help, but they're struggling because it's nonsense, that's just added into the curriculum. It, it's, it's just not fair. It's, it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. So I don't know how teaching works uh, more in the corporate world. Cause I've been in the corporate world for all my career, but in the teaching world, do you face the same type of repercussions? Like, 
performance reviews? Do you sit down with your principal or your whoever the head of the admin school is and says, oh, I've gotten so many complaints from parents or mm -hmm. students are failing in your class and, you know, what's going on? If we can't get turnaround, we're going to have to switch you into something else. So a lot of teachers go through a lot of those kind of uh, being put under the spotlight based on well, what they're like, do. You know, like the average of four observations per year <laughs> and they're based on something called Danielson and you have to get like either developing or effective, highly effective or ineffective. If you're ineffective, they put a team together to try to help you to do better. Um, if you're getting a lot of parent complaints or having a lot of behavior problems, they'll come into the classroom, see what's going on. Um, usually they blame the teacher. Um, sometimes, you know, it is the teacher who doesn't have classroom management um, or skills on how to deal with behavior. But sometimes you just get unfortunate with not the best group of kids mixed together, like they shouldn't be together. Um, teaching middle school was a lot harder for me than 11th and 12th grade. I love 11th and 12th grade. I have zero behavior problems right now, which I am so fortunate, but middle school is like another story. That is like wild. <laughs> that is, I, I do not like it. It is complicated. They're going through changes. They're trying to find themselves. Yeah, They're being disrespectful to their parents. They're being disrespectful to the teachers. So, and there's a lot of blame on teachers now. Yeah. Like when I was in school, it was like, if you got a phone call home or a note, your parent usually asked you, what did you do wrong? Right. Now it's, what did the teacher do wrong? Yeah, I kind of, I could see that. I could see that. Cause I know for once me being, when I, like I said, when I used to get those letters, letter homes and I try to hide it or forge my mom or dad's signature, mm -hmm. you know, and then if, you know, they found it or if it was open school night and the teacher would be like, oh, did you get the letter I sent home? And they're like, oh, but you signed it. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, you'd have to answer. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, I'm not getting a letter home because the teacher decided to write something that you weren't listening. So obviously you were to do something in the class. So it'd be more like you're being held uh, to be responsible and, and Versus, it's like, so crazy. I keep thinking, I'm like, they used to send notes home and they trusted the kid to deliver the note to the parent. Oh, believe like, me. I try to hide it or remember, sign like, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, I don't know. That I would never do. Obviously, we can't do that nowadays. The kids would just rip it up and throw it out. Like, yeah, yeah. Care, you well, know? Th that's the power of email. So that's how I know that my kids mm -hmm. are not doing what they're supposed to. So the teacher sends an email, gives you that phone call. Mm -hmm. Or you have the Google Classroom and you know, yeah, or the, the school portal where you have their grades and you're looking at the work that they're not doing. So it's it becomes a, a bit. Uh, so there's no way that they can hide it. So I always tell my kids, you know, if you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, believe me, I'm gonna find out some way, some or somehow the teacher's gonna get in contact with me. So uh, to definitely new. Is there anything you're doing uh, right now from a teaching perspective that's exciting, or is there anything exciting happening? in your role as a teacher within your school? I know you're teaching U.S. history. Is there anything that the kids kind of challenge you? Or are you feeling like because there's so much of the news and social media, and especially with the times right now, you know, it's like you can't run away from everything that's going on in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Are the kids starting to, is that trying to kind of superseding your lesson plans versus 
depending on where you are from a from a lesson perspective, right? Is there anything interesting that's kind of grabbing your students to have dialogue and conversation about? Well, right now, I mean, what's going on in the Middle East, they ask questions or they bring up their opinion and they're highly influenced by their friends. So my goal is usually always to tell them how to do their own research. Cool. As a teacher, you cannot provide your own political opinion. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to sway kids in either direction. You're right. supposed to be neutral, teach them the facts, provide them with both sides, and let them come to a decision. There are teachers that don't follow that, but that is what you're supposed to do as an oath, is not to provide your own personal political beliefs in the classroom. Yeah. So I never do that. Like if a kid asks me, who did you vote for? Or what's your political party? I would never answer that question. So I provide them the facts on everything. And I give them the information and let them decide. So they've been asking questions about like, you know, Palestine and Israel and but it hasn't interrupted my class because right now the topic that we're doing in school is, is about slavery. So that's a very difficult topic because it's highly sensitive and you have to deliver it in a way that is appropriate, factual, and um, be considerate of kids' feelings. So right now they are obsessed with learning about that. They find it so interesting. They want to know everything about it. So right now that's like, I'm, I'm happy because they're so intrigued and surprised at what was going on that we're having really great deep discussions about it. So that's like, what's amazing to me right now. Okay. And they're also becoming obsessed with the treatment of native Americans in this country. So those are the two things that they're like really diving into right now. And we talk about like almost every day. So mm -hmm. I'm happy to see that because they want to learn more. So I, I, you know, sometimes you're limited because you have to move on in the curriculum. You can't stay stuck on something, but if they're going to, if they want to talk about it, I will find time to talk about it, you know? Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Now, now in regards to what you do, <clears throat> do you have, I'm not sure, uh, a lot of the schools in Long Island have this, like where you have a student teacher that kind of tags along with you. Do you guys do that? Because uh, you, you, you teach in the city, right? Mm -hmm. So do you have like student teachers that are maybe a bachelor's degree, just getting out of college, maybe going for the mm -hmm. master's, maybe their certificate, kind of tag along in your class for like a, a summer or a semester to kind of get that experience? And, and kind of what's that like having like someone like that's fresh out of college where you've been in it for a bit uh, are there some challenges in that? Do you get some pushback or do you get like, oh, you know, I wouldn't teach that way? Or do you get it sometimes? Do you get any kind of com conflicted conversations? Uh, mm -hmm. Or do they like look at you and be like, oh, I want to be just like you uh, from a professional perspective? So I've worked in schools where um, there's been student teachers, not necessarily in my, in my room. Right. Um but I've seen them in other classrooms and they're really like focused because in college they teach you the facts. They don't teach you how to be a teacher. Like you have to really just do it and practice and just wing it when you jump right in. So right now I'm at a charter school in Queens and 
we don't get student teachers at our school. Most student teachers don't want to go to a charter school. They want to go to a public school. So that's usually like where they go. Um, I have a co-teacher though. So I have an inclusion class where we have students that with IEPs and then, um, you know, mainstream students. And so the co-teacher is a special ed teacher and we work together. Okay. So okay. that's what I have right now. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Are, are you, are charter school teachers under the same umbrella as public school teachers where they're under the same union or is it totally separate? Like if you're a mm. charter, you're more like a private, private uh, entity. There's a whole different set of rules. There's a whole different set of ways mm-hmm. to maneuver through that. Maybe a lot more uh, chain of command and kind of paperwork versus public school is, you know, I guess the union and mm-hmm. which oversees, you know, UN protects you and handles all of that potential disciplining or uh, complaints. Uh. Yeah. So charter schools suck. Um, we don't get the same benefits as the DOE or Long Island schools. The Long Island school unions are strong. Like they got really great unions. And I was in a really great union as a teacher assistant and as a teacher. But charter schools usually do not offer union benefits. They don't have a union. They don't offer tenure. Um. I'm lucky that my charter school is a rare one that actually has a union, which is unheard of. So it is, it is good that um, we have that. It's not that strong, as strong as like the CSEA or, you know, the federal teachers union, but it, it's something, you know, we really, you're an at will employee when you work at a charter school. Oh, wow. So you can be fired one day. There's no, like, you know, you can really, it's at will. So I could leave whenever I wanted and they could fire me whenever they want. So it's like a corporate job pretty much, Mm -hmm. right? So you're pretty much signing a contract that says, you know, if we decide to cut you, we're going to cut you. There's no probation. There's no. Nope. Disciplinary, if it's anything, right? It could be based because there's not enough school. That it's a bad thing. Like it's it's not good to be in that situation. And now is that based why, on is that based yeah. on enrollment? Like if depending on how many kids you get to sign up to that school, or is it the charter schools based on uh vouchers? Like I believe that the city does that kind of voucher program for or yeah. you have to take a test or to kind of get into a certain school. So it's kinda of like a raffle. Like so first certain charters where they um it's like a raffle. They'll pick kids based on who entered and offer them like, you know, enrollment. My charter school, they have people sign up. If they don't have enough people signing up, teachers will lose their job. Wow. So you're really at like the mercy of like, you know, student enrollment. You know, I mean, my other school, um, the career and tech ed was the same thing. There were teachers that were full-time and if they didn't get enough enrollment for their class, they would go to part-time and lose half their salary. So, I mean, husbands and wives and people paying mortgages and having kids, you go from full salary to half your salary is like, I wow, mean. That's crazy. It, that's yeah, like the that's, craziest thing. That's real world. That's, that's kind of like what you live sometimes in the real world. Like, yeah, it just happens, right? 
downsizing, you lose your job, there you go. You went from having two good salaries to now having one person kind of carrying the home for a little bit. And it's, you know, especially out here in Long Island, right, where it's everything so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you cannot not have a car or you can't, right, to get places unless yeah. you live close to the main roads and how the kids get to school, how you pick up the kids if they're not, you know, call sick or if you need to get a doctor's appointment, you, you got to find a way. So, yeah, I kind of kind of understand where you're coming from. Now, yeah. I'm going to ask you a two-part question just to kind of sure. get a feel. Um, question number one is, what advice would you give someone who's graduating co- high school, going into college, and is looking into the education uh, career? What advice would you give them to kind of help them pave the way or maybe things that you didn't know when you were going to school and you were learning and wanting to get into this career, what is one thing you can tell them or advice you can give uh, this future teacher or instructor or professor, right, uh, in terms of what to look out for, what to be uh, be aware of, you know, know the differences in. And then my second part question is, what would you tell the younger version of yourself that wanted to become a teacher that what you know today that if you could go back to the younger version of yourself, what would you tell yourself to kind of prepare you for where you, for this moment? So my answer to this is going to be different based on 2023, because teaching back even 10 years ago was so much better. It was a better environment. Um, People were happier. Um, There wasn't that much stress and pressure on teachers. I would tell kids who are going into college do not pick this job if you want it for the summers off or the breaks or you know you you think it's just like a regular profession you have to really love kids and you have to have patience if you have no patience you cannot do it if you do not love kids enough you cannot do it Also, they don't tell you that you are going to be doing a lot, a lot of paperwork. You are not going to be able to go to work at 7.55, leave at 3.55, and then your day is over. Your day is not over. You are up all night writing lesson plans. You're up all night grading. You have kids on your mind that are dealing with stuff in their homes that are hungry, that are upset that are dealing with abuse it, you have to be a social worker a psychologist a friend a parent a mentor you're not just a teacher you're a million things to these kids you also have to be a secretary for yourself you have to you know market yourself you have to like there's so many things that you have to do as a teacher it's not just deliver a lesson plan and that's it you have to be all those things and also mentally take care of yourself at the same time. I always say you have to give your soul to this job. And if you can't do it, don't do it. And it's hard. It, it's, it catches up to you. And like at this point in my life, like it, I, I want a better life work balance. I'm not 
having that because I feel like I'm working 24 seven. Oh, wow. And, and. So there I is, there is no, there is no, uh, luxury. Like people make it seem like, oh, the teachers get the summer off. Uh, the teachers, you know, they get paid during the summer. They don't get to, you know, and when that's I'm off a your... myth. teachers don't really get paid in the summer. What it is, is some TAs don't get paid in the summer. Unless you decide to break up your salary over the course of 12, 12 months. Okay. So you take a pay cut during the year in order to get that check in the summer. Oh. So that's what they don't tell you. They don't tell you that in college. Oh. That that's how it is. You know, you do get paid regular pay for like the winter break. And spring break and right, all that. Right, yes, right, right. you do. So that's the benefit of that. But in the summer, it's you have to make sure that you either budget your own or have them take out the money and have the check ready for you. For I the guess, summer. I guess that's why you see some teachers working through the summer. I always worked. Always. Yeah. Oh, I and I now still see do. The reasoning yeah. Why they would do that. Okay. Okay. Now. If you had a if you had a time machine sitting in that office of yours, and you could go in that time machine and go back to the moment you said, "I'm going to join University of Phoenix, and I'm going to go to study to become a teacher," what would you tell yourself at to, to the K of that time, mm -hmm. just enrolled into college and thinking about becoming a teacher? I don't regret it. I would say. It's going to be harder than you think. You know, it's going to be harder than you think. And I don't regret it because I feel like I've helped so many kids. Um, there are kids that still reach out to me post-graduation and thank me and send me gifts in the mail. And um, like, I just sometimes I get letters from kids and it makes me feel like, okay, I made a difference. So even if I made a difference of one child in the course of 17 years, that's good enough for me, you know, but it's been so many kids that I've helped and I can be proud to say that I don't really give myself credit in a lot of things, but in that aspect, I know that I'm a good teacher. Like I know that I've helped kids in more ways than one. So I can say that proudly. So I don't regret it, but I do think that I should have also explored other things. Like, I think I would have been a great guidance counselor or a great social worker or a psychologist um, because those are the types of jobs you do as a teacher and you yeah. don't realize it, you know? Yeah, right, so. Right. I should have really investigated more about other ways besides teaching that I can help kids. That's okay. what I wish I would have done. Okay. So you would never tell them to run for the hills. You wouldn't tell yourself to, oh, I'm gonna... um, right now. <laughs> um, I have like, my students are prepping for college right now and okay. I'm telling them the truth. I said, right. it's not what you see on the surface. Right. Make sure that you want to dedicate your life to the service of your community and the kids. Like, you have to dedicate your whole self. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, like I said, that there are a lot of teachers out there that 
uh, like you said, a lot of parents or people don't really see your long nights, even when you're prepping for your lesson plan and how things change mm -hmm. uh, drastically where, you know, one moment you're teaching a history lesson uh, for your, or you're teaching a math lesson and then you got a, a school shooting, right? Or you got something happening at home or you got, you know, a kid that could potentially, you know, maybe lost someone in their family or having a mental crisis in the, in the classroom, mm -hmm. you know, that you have to now become, like you said, a counselor or try to defuse the situation. Mm -hmm. So. And that re retrospect, you know, the respect has to be given to what you guys do from an educator uh, because, you know, you do become like a, their parent, right? And sometimes they don't go to their parents, right? A lot of these kids exactly. don't talk to their parents. They they feel that being comfortable with you or being able to open up to you is, mm -hmm. you know, where they feel safe because that's their safe place. Because like you said, sometimes yeah. their home is not the place where they want to be safe or, you know, especially when you're dealing with uh, middle schoolers and you're dealing with high schoolers, right? Because even in high school, I think you're going through still, it's a different time, you know, than I remember growing up, right? We didn't have, well, I didn't have social media. I didn't have any of that stuff when I was in high school, yeah. growing up in kids and stuff. You know, if somebody had a problem with me, we dealt with it in the schoolyard or, mm -hmm. or if somebody needed to tell you something, they would tell you at lunchtime and, you know, when three o'clock came, that's how you settled it. You know, no one was putting your business out there. You know, if somebody didn't like the way you look or making fun mm -hmm. of you, they did it to your face. You know, it was never... Yeah. I'm going to post something, you know, to bully you, you know, you know, I, I don't think I, I tell my kids form of bullying that I grew up with was not bullying that would drive me to push me. It was more like, okay, you, you know, and you had your group of friends and you settled yeah. it the way you settled it. You don't, it's an extreme right now. So I, I can, uh, I can respect what you guys do. As you know, there is <clears throat> in my um, school and the area, there's a lot of gang violence. Um, you brought up like the, the school shootings and right before Thanksgiving, um, we had an emergency lockdown. So this was the first time, I mean, I've had lockdowns before, but this was the first time it was like an emergency lockdown. So I was in my room and I hear lockdown and we had literally just came in from a fire drill. So I thought they were doing like a practice where I've done in the past. Let's practice what would happen if you're on a fire drill and god forbid there's somebody coming in the building at the same time let's practice what we would do so i thought it was practice so all of a sudden they're like lockdown i get a i check my email and the principal says this is a real um lockdown stay calm now that period i had a prep so i didn't have kids in my room i hid in my room I shut the lights off. I did everything I was supposed to do, but I, that was the first time I was actually scared. In all 17 years, I was, I was actually scared because right. I know that there's gun violence. Um, and I know, um, some kids have gotten shot nearby and I, I was, I was panicked and it turned out that a student, now we have a bunch of schools in one building mm -hmm. so it's a huge building and there's different sections that have different schools and i didn't see i didn't see what happened so i'm hiding in my room but there were some kids that were stuck and they couldn't lock down because of the fire drill and they watched somebody get stabbed a student stabbed another student oh wow now we have metal detectors we have school safety that are nypd and um I don't know how this child 
got a weapon past the metal detectors, they the kids told me that there are ways that kids bring weapons to school that they are able to hide it in a way that a metal detector does not pick it up. Okay. So my some of my students witnessed that and were traumatized and I had to deal with that and it it was really hard. It was hard. And this was right before Thanksgiving. Wow, that's yeah, I, like I said, growing up in Brooklyn, in the schools you go to, I mean, I've seen it all, the stabbing the kid's head, um, someone throwing an M80 at my face, the, you know, the fightings in the, you know, the gangs with the, mm-hmm. the Latin Kings and the yep. Nietas, the, you know, all of that oh, stuff, that Nietas, grew up in, yeah. you know, all that stuff that, you know, so I don't think anything will prepare you for uh, anything, any situation, right? I mean, we can only plan and that it, if it does happen, that we'll be ready. But when it does happen, sometimes it's the adrenaline kicks in. And like you said, you know, you're like, oh, man, this is like really happening. you like, that fear yeah. does kick, kind of kick in because you're like, well, are they in the school? Or is what's going on? You know, it's. Yeah. And your responsibility <laughs> is to take care of. If you have 20 kids in your room, your job is to make sure those 20 kids are safe. Yeah. 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 And. I always have an alternate plan besides what they teach you. I'm thinking about how would I get these kids out of this room if I hear somebody in the hallway? Or I tell my kids, if somebody ever makes it into the door, Mm -hmm. makes it into our room, we don't sit here. We fight. We fight as much as we can because we're not just going to sit here and and get killed. We're going to fight. And they say, run, hide, fight. Right. And I tell my kids all the time, be aware of the exits, which room you're in. How would you escape from that room? Um, you know, know who's supposed to be here, um, who's not supposed to be here. If you're in the bathroom and there's a lockdown or you hear a shooter, stand on the toilet and be quiet. Like, that's what I have to tell them. Wow, that's... Like, and you have to go into school, like, I have to teach the kids and then also worry about this every day. Like it's, it's yeah, a lot. It's scary. It's scary, especially for a kid. I mean, you know, the first thing they're going to do is want to call their parents or they're going to panic or they're not going to know what to do or remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, but it's respectful, respectable what you do and um, how you kind of selfishly put, you know, yourself uh, in the lives of these kids to kind of, teach them a different way and be better, you know, because I think sometimes uh, society needs people like you that kind of put that foot forward because, you know, a lot of kids I don't think have um, places they could go to, you know, to really feel safe and be heard. And especially the generation like today, you know, where you think about what the suicide rates are for teenagers uh, from bullying and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. uh, I respect uh, what teachers bring to the table. Uh, even though sometimes you do have those one or two teachers and sometimes these schools that are really just not just there to collect a check or get ready for their retirement who've been in exactly. the teaching for many years, which is, you know, understanding because <clears throat> the respect level is not there, right? You have kids also kind of not respecting teachers and thinking yeah. that, you know, I'm not your friend, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you. And, you know, mm-hmm. so and sometimes those are the kids that you want to reach because you see the potential in them, right? You see that. Mm-hmm. You're bright, you know. You just, you know, if you just put the pen to the paper, you know, and so commend what you do. Thank but on, you. A, on another note, how does a mm-hmm. teacher 
is there work-life balance for you guys as teachers? Like, do you guys get to have what some in the corporate world call it work-life balance? Um, yeah. I know you have the long lesson plans and I know you're driving home late and then you get home and maybe you have like a few minutes to yourself and kind of, mm-hmm. kind of get at least relaxed. But of course, the laptop comes out, the paperwork's come out, you're grading papers, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you're looking at it like, oh my God, I can't believe they did this, you know, no answer. I gave the answer. It's an open book, right? So, you know, yeah. arguing with, you know, talking to yourself in third person because you're like, the kids didn't do what they needed to do and then lesson plan. And then before you know, it's time to get ready. So do teachers get, I mean, is there work-life balance for you in terms of a social life outside of yeah. working Monday right now, through Friday? No. Nope. <laughs> it's mostly teaching and teaching and that's it. Uh, like, your commute is long too. I mean, I think you're coming from Long Island. You have to be probably up like five, four, four or five yeah. in the morning, right, to kind of get into the city. Yeah, by it's a eight long o'clock. day, and right. charter schools go a lot longer than regular public schools. Long Island schools—they're eight hours a day. Um, it's a long day for kids. It's a long day for us. Um, you know, by the time I get home, I I also tutor one on one for kids around um, Long Island. It's not really tutoring. It's more teaching like one-on-one to kids who are suspended or have a medical issue and they can't go to school. So I do that after school um, as well. So by the time you cook dinner, try to clean up. I don't even have time to clean anymore. Like as like I used to, I used to be OCD with it. <laughs> and I don't even have time like yeah. to do that. Like I had to like hire help every couple of weeks. Like, so. By the time I sit down to try it and like unwind and maybe watch like a mindless show, I fall asleep wow. and I, I'm, I get so sad. It like really crushes me. I'm like, wow, I didn't even get to enjoy being home for five minutes, you know, and that's what kills me. Now, do you, outside of teaching, you say you tutor, do you do tutoring out of choice or is something that you want to do? Uh, is there something that you see, maybe I'm doing this temporarily, as you look at your career as a teacher, right? Um, I know you mentioned that you, you're thinking about maybe transitioning out of being mm-hmm. a teacher and maybe looking at something more corporate or maybe yes. social working or doing something. Is this just temporary till you find that new career path and find that new uh, path to what you want to do uh, that's not teaching? So I've been tutoring um, the one-on-one since like 20, around 2020, because they really needed it. A lot of kids were scared to go back to school, so they needed full-time, you know, teachers. Plus, the organizations that I work, I work for two, they're amazing, and they will give you work. And I'm a big believer in always having a backup plan. So God forbid, you know, you lose your job or something, I have something else that it won't pay all the bills but it's something you know some kind of work and i always feel like you have to have a part part even if you don't need it but have something part-time on the side just in case Mm -hmm. so i do it by choice um eventually probably can't do it forever but even if i got into the corporate world i probably would still do it just to keep my foot in teaching to know that i'm helping like at least like a few kids per week um which is what I want to do, probably like just hold on to that a little bit because I do like it a lot, you okay. know. That's yeah. cool. That's good. That's good. 
Now, I just kind of want to go back to like the beginning when you said you wanted to be a teacher um, because that teacher kind of helped you and took their time to kind of help you with your science project. Um, and then you said your career was you looked at your family or your parents and didn't want to be like them. Uh, today, do your parents look at you and like see the success or is it something that, you know, having having to do this all on your own they see that that you did put the hard work and has there been any like uh way of saying oh my god i'm sorry that it wasn't the best influence but here you are you know i'm proud that you were able to you know kind of show that even though you didn't have the support right per se that you're still able to pull it off and you know become very successful in what you do today so or even with your siblings, like your siblings and, you know, your family. Like, so. um, when I had a relationship with my father, um, he was very proud of the three of us for getting our education. And, um, but never really acknowledged that he wasn't there, didn't have any influence. Um, my mother I have a good relationship with, um, but she acts like none of that existed oh. she pretends that like none of that happened no. like that that she wasn't you know a good mother and um she really just like blocks it out like she's 360 a completely different person but she does not acknowledge anything but she's super proud and um she's very fortunate and I have to say, my family, like my uncles and my aunts, all thought, which is kind of horrible, to, and I still hear it. I just, my uncle just passed away, and at the, like, the funeral services, some of my family members were like, you know, we're so surprised that you and your sisters made it out the way you did based on the circumstances. All of you could have been, like, drug addicts, ended up on the street, and look at you. And I'm like, okay, like, thank you, but. You know, I've heard this, which is, you know, nice, but you don't have to keep saying it. Like, I I'm done hearing that. Um, but they're super proud because they didn't think that any of us were going to make it out of the hood or away from, you know, what was going on at home. Um, and they really didn't, nobody really believed in us at all. So yeah. I do get people that, you know, are proud um, that I pushed through. And at my uncle's funeral last month, they were like, you know, you, you have worked so hard to get away from what your parents did and, and how they treated you and how you grew up. Like, I don't know how you did it, but I just focused on like, I don't want to be like them. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think we all have, <clears throat> I'm sorry about your uncle, but I, I think we all have those family members, right? That kind of don't know how to stop or don't know how to bite the tongue, especially they could have just been like, oh, we're so proud of you guys. And this, mm -hmm. you guys come a long way so far versus we're so proud of you. We didn't think you guys were going to be here because you guys mm -hmm. could have been this or that. Where if you were proud of me, you would have just let it fit at the, you're proud of me, not the exactly giving me the, you know, the names of a drug addict or, you know, I didn't think you were going to make it or be successful. Yeah. And it's, uh, so yeah, it, it's uh, the fortunate. And sometimes it's, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's the old school mentality, 
right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you weren't working at a mechanic shop or, you know, you don't think about the times have changed, you're still kind of stuck in the, in those old days, you know, and don't see that, you know, especially mm -hmm. you being a female, how much harder it is as a woman, right? To yeah. have a career, right? And, you know, whether you're an educator or whether you're a nurse or whether you're a professional in the corporate world, you know, as a female, you know, you're, you are battling a lot of those stereotypes where, you know, you're supposed to come home just and start cleaning your house or have dinner ready if you're mm -hmm. married and, or, you know, have children by a certain amount, certain age. And, you know, and if you're yeah. not married, like what's wrong? Is it you? And meanwhile, you're just trying yeah. to stay afloat and kind of, you know, focus on, you know, yourself and your mental health and everything else that's going on because, mm -hmm. you know, you have a job to do. So, like I said, I commend you for everything you've done. I mean, I'm proud of you that teacher. And like I said, I've known you for a long time and, you know, you've come a long way, which is awesome. Good for you. Thank you. Good for you. But I kind of want to go into a little bit of a, a little rapid fire kind of take away from the discussion. My camera's acting weird. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of want to ask some fun questions to kind of just end our episode today. But again, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, I know we've been trying to plan this for almost a whole month. I know. <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I was interesting enough. You were. This is good. Like I said, you're giving good insight and you're more than welcome to come back if you ever want to do this again. I know you were curious about what the podcast life is like. Yeah. I said, so hopefully this was uh, interesting. Like I said, it's always about coming up with topics. And mm -hmm. um, like I said, a lot of my topics are more of what I've been through in my life and kind of hopefully that my message reaches out to someone and who needs to hear yeah. it. And, you know, it's uh, be helpful. But definitely want you know voices like yourself who have come up from from really nothing and working really hard to get to where they're at mm -hmm. and and be influential especially like i said any of those little girls who want to become teachers or even boys yeah. you know or people who are looking to find their way um like i said we'd love to you have know, you again on on a on an episode I, and, I think an important topic hmm? is for how kids especially how to deal with drug and alcohol abuse in your home and in your life in general how to handle that because it is very hard expect kids blame themselves they don't know what to do um i think that's a very important topic that nobody really talks about well let's plan it let's make it happen yeah. i definitely would uh and if you have anyone else that wants to join and we can make it a panel I'll be more than happy. Like I said, this podcast is for everyone, right? So if you, yeah. if this is something to kind of motivate you and you want to bring it here, you let me know. Like I said, we can make it happen. Um, that's what I decided to do this is to really, uh, whether um, you're a small business that's looking to get out there and get more mm -hmm. people to come to your restaurant or come to see where you're at. If you have a food truck yeah. or if you're a doctor and you want to spread some, you know, real information that people are not really understanding, whether it's a procedure or illness that you're dealing with or, you know, teachers or corporate world, mm -hmm. investing, you know, helping people learn how to really invest. That's I have a group of friends that are interested in wanting to kind of put the message out there to kind of help people really put the money where they need to be instead of like, you know, because nowadays mm -hmm. you don't know what's happening. with. So definitely, like I said, let's, you know, we can definitely make it happen. You know, well, you know, it's great to have you on and, but I really want to ask you some quick questions here, kind of make sure. it light in the mood. So some rapid questions, right? So I'm going to go yeah. like maybe four or five and then, uh, all right. So favorite food. Favorite food? Yeah. 
spaghetti meatballs. Spaghetti meatballs, true Italian. Hey, forget about mm -hmm. it. <laughs> All right. Favorite movie? Do I have to pick one? Goodfellas. Yeah, one of many. So if you had to, if you had a list of what could be, not number one, but any of your top movies you have. Okay, Goodfellas. Great movie. Great mm -hmm. movie. I think I could watch that on repeat. Yeah. Uh, red or white wine? Red. Red. Okay, cool. All right, I'm going to go to music. Freestyle or hip hop? Freestyle. Okay, of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then my last question Caribbean or Europe? Europe. Europe. Okay, cool, cool. That's so, fine. Okay, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate your time and being candid and being open. Uh, but definitely looking forward to uh, having some more conversations. And like I said, you're more than welcome to come on. And uh, let's have a discussion. Let's make it happen. Okay? Thank you. Thank it was you my so. pleasure. And I have to say, I'm really impressed with you and how you've handled your life and, you know, raising your kids and working and doing everything. Like, it's really impressive. Um, especially being a good dad while doing it. So, I mean, I, I see your stuff that you post and how involved you are with your kids. And that's very impressive, especially, you know, coming from somebody who didn't have a dad. And I admire men who really put in that time and effort. And it's admirable. Thank you. So. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's, 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 it's I, I would say, you know, I can't speak for moms because I think moms have a different role and i think sometimes moms do take the brunt of the beatings you know because mm -hmm. dad is always fun dad yeah. is the fun guy dad is always you know and moms yeah. are always the serious and got to be the disciplinary and kind of you know so mm -hmm. you know sometimes it's it, it playing the role of a dad is it, it has this challenge you see them become babies to toddlers to mm -hmm. you little kids to young men to men now and it's it, it, you know, you're like, damn, it, you know, yeah. being the example is always the, the hard part, right? Being the, the man that you want your kids to kind of oh, see. Yeah. So, but I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. I definitely appreciate that. Well, mi gente, I want to thank Kay for coming on. I appreciate her time and I appreciate her sharing her life story and her career path. Uh, one thing to take from the conversation is that even without support, even without having a cheering squad, you could be successful in life. Uh, if you put your heart and your mind to it and find the strength, uh, whenever it gets tough, uh, it's never going to be easy, but it's always going to be rewarding. And with that, please follow, like, and share if you feel like this episode has resonated with you. Uh, en La Mesa underscore pod on Instagram, En La Mesa podcast on TikTok. You can email me your thoughts, your comments, your suggestions on nlmsrpod at gmail.com. And with that, until next time, talk to you soon. Peace.